This is Indie Business Podcast, Episode 70. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I am your host, mentor, and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com and the hostess of the Indie Cruise Retreat and the lead entrepreneur mentor at Maker Mastermind Business Incubator. My goal is to help you build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. In this episode, I will introduce you to Marissa Bethany of Precious Skin Elixirs in Boxford, Massachusetts. As you'll enjoy learning in this episode, Marissa's business is more about how she wants to live her life and the way she wants to impact women than it is about selling skincare products. She has created a collection of four lines that are based on what she calls your skin rhythm, and the categories are air, fire, wind, and earth. Marissa is a mother of two young children, and in this episode, she shares a bit about how she left a decade-long career as a jeweler to create a business that was more family-friendly and that allowed her to feel better about simultaneously leading a business and being a mother. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 70. I can't wait to introduce you to Marissa Bethany of Precious Skin Elixirs in Boxford, Massachusetts. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Maker Mastermind Business Incubator, your opportunity to work with me personally in a small group setting to grow your business. Oh, and yes, we have a lot of fun doing it. Whether you are in the emerge phase of your business, just getting started, or you're ready to move your business into a multiple income stream platform in the evolve phase. Your individual Maker Mastermind Business Incubator program can help you achieve more and stay on track. Doors are open now. Learn more and apply today at makermastermind.com. And now let's welcome Marissa Bethany of Precious Skin Elixirs in Boxford, Massachusetts. Marissa Bethany of Precious Skin Elixirs in Boxford, Massachusetts. How are you today? I'm well. How are you, Donna Maria? It's nice to connect with you. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. And you know, I know like we can work from anywhere these days. Like, where are you right now? I am actually sitting in my home office in Boxford. Um, we live kind of out in the country, so it's always really cozy where I, where I work here from home. And I bet it's getting chilly up there too. Like where I'm down here in Charlotte and it's like 41 degrees. Oh, I would love for 41 degrees. It's, it's definitely been in the thirties this past week. It's oh, winter. Oh my goodness. Winter's on its way. Oh my goodness. And I heard someone yesterday from Massachusetts say it was, it was a balmy 43 yesterday. So I went for a run and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but anyway, so Marissa, it's so great to talk to you at Precious Skin Elixir. So the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear the name of your business is Precious Skin Elixir. It's like, ooh, it sounds so mysterious and intriguing. Tell us a little bit about what that name means to you. Oh, well, I like, I like how you called it intriguing. Um, well, I chose the name because of three, three main things, precious, precious skin, of course, my belief that our skin is precious. It's, you know, as many of us know, it's our largest organ. It needs a particular kind of care. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really one of the only organs we can see. So, 
skin is a great communicator. Um, and elixirs, I just love that word. And it just can mean so many things. It um, kind of has a little bit of a nod to the old practice of alchemy, where there's the elixir of life and the search for the potion that's really going to um, give somebody longevity and vitality and vibrancy. And of course, so much of alchemy is symbolic and metaphorical, but I just, um, I really wanted to bring that idea into the foundation of my business. So that's, that's why I chose that name. And, and the way you describe it is even more mysterious. Like skin is a great communicator. Gosh, we'll have to unpack that one day. But so, so when you obviously feel this sort of vibe personally yourself before you even started a business. Yes. And I've worked with gemstones for a lot of my career. Ah. And so the precious also is kind of a nod to gems and jewels and that you know, world also contains a bit of a mystery in the fact that there's a lot of power there energetically, um, in addition to their visual appeal. And so I think at the time I started this business, I was ready to start working with herbs and I was ready to start working in the plant world after studying with a master herbalist and really falling in love with how plants can heal us internally and externally on a topical basis. So the, the two worlds just started to really weave together. And um, so, yeah, and there's a big energy component to all of what I do. There is, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So, so what year did you start your business? I started Precious Skin Elixirs officially in early 2014, but um, there were probably, I'd say, three years in there before, um, maybe even four years before starting it officially, where I was just, everything was starting to kind of like come together and really start to form as, as a project, as an idea. And that is so fascinating to me because so often, like four years seems like a really long time to be in like the starting up phase of a business, like what I call the emerge phase. But what I hear over and over again is that when people look back, they realize that they were actually starting a business for longer than they thought they were originally. Mm. And so like, there's always such a great story there. So like, did you like have a regular job before all of this? And what were you doing first at first? Well, I had been a jeweler for about 10 years prior to starting a family. And when I had my first baby, I thought, oh, okay, I can still have my business. I can still do trade shows. I was doing trade shows all over the country and working with buyers that were mainly in New York. So it was a lot of travel from, I was living in Boston at the time, from Boston to New York. And it was just really, you know, it was, it was the fashion industry ultimately, which was just the pace and, um, you know, the, the vibe wasn't really conducive to a new mom. So I kind of- Did you make the jewelry that you sold back then? I did. It was all handmade. Sometimes I'd hire people to help me during like, really busy seasons or if I was mm-hmm. filling a big order. Um, but yeah, it, so it was, it kind of got to the point where it was just, it was not really viable anymore for me at that and stage. you did that for 10 years? Wow. 10 years. I started. All, and so you were, my guess is hearing you talk, you weren't just using 
you know, stuff that you bought on Amazon, you were using like real, real gemstones, like real jewels. Yeah, it was all precious wow. and semi-precious gems. And wow. it was, it was really fun. But you know, it was it was that was my 20s. And <laughs> was, you know, right, <laughs> I've definitely learned a lot. Well, you know, motherhood changes a whole lot of things. So oh yeah, um, it sounds like the travel and everything was just not not conducive to that lifestyle. So so then bring us so you you decided to um, eventually stop making jewelry. And then mm -hmm. why skincare? Well, so after I had my first baby, you know, jewelry kind of like faded into the background. And then um, we had a second baby right away. And during that pregnancy, my skin was just a mess. I was breaking out. I was getting these deep hormonal, like awful cystic acne breakouts on my face and on my back. And it was just this really challenging time. And because I was pregnant, I didn't want to apply anything that, um, you know, could, could be unhealthy for a growing baby. So I did some research into natural oils and a natural approach to just relieving a lot of the symptoms that I was dealing with. I didn't really understand the internal, the, you know, the holistic and the energetic connection yet, but I experimented. I tried a few things and it really worked. And I noticed such huge relief and improvement to the point where by the time I had my second daughter, I had the best skin of my life. And I, I was so inspired to continue studying. And, and from there, that's really, um, that was really the beginning of wanting to work more with um, products for the skin. So deciding to do that had obviously the effect of making you more available to your children, obviously, um, while they were young and, you know, cutting back on the travel. So tell us a little bit about juggling a business as a mom of kids. I mean, your children are really quite young, right? Yes, they're um, eight and nine now. Okay. But at the time, they were peanuts. I mean, they were really, you know, teeny tiny. And I, <laughs> I remember using nap time as like my only time I had to really do research, um, start strategizing on a brand or, you know, the creative work of that. Um, I would do recipe development and testing at night when they went to bed. My husband has always been so supportive. And on the weekends, it was just kind of this understood thing where mom would be working on this crazy project or studying with my herbal teacher or in the garden or doing all the things you need to do ultimately to form a business. And it was just really this patchwork of just time. And um, I don't know, and anywhere I could just kind of fit in an hour or half hour or a phone call or an email. And patchwork um, of is course, a good way to describe it. I think patchwork. Yeah, it was a total patchwork. Yeah, and, it, and it was like a little stitch here and a little and a rip over there. And yeah, oh my gosh, tons of rips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so, it was. So um, Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Hmm. Well, I was going to say it was sort of just, you know, the necessity of the time. Um, yeah, I don't recommend yeah. that's the best way to approach forming well, you know, a it's business. Fun, it's but, funny because I look back, I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, I remember the quilting. Every mm -hmm. day was another square and you didn't know whether it was going to actually be sewn up by the end of the day, whether it would be in tatters, whether you would even be able to find it. Um, 
like, where's the next square? So like, and you look back on it, you just said, I don't recommend it. But you know, I want to want to dive in here. Because as a mom, and there's a lot of moms listening to this podcast, Mm. if if they're new to entrepreneurship, as well as new to motherhood, when we say we don't recommend it, I'm just curious about what's the alternative. Because I, I don't know if there is one. That's a very good point. And, you know, I think the fact that my circumstances were really, you know, limited, you, of course, new moms or, or mom at any stage of your, of your kid's age is, you know, there's a limitation on time and energy and there isn't always the bandwidth to just kind of do anything you want and have unlimited resources. And certainly financially, it's a whole new ball game too when you have kids. So I think when there are those circumstances where there are these factors, and I don't want to call them limiting factors in a negative way, but, you know, just where there are tighter boundaries around your time and and energy, I think that really kind of um, gives you that that sense of how bad do you want it. And if you Uh really want it, you'll figure it out. I think that is such a good point because I know – that um, it takes an incredible amount of drive. Like there has to be a really strong reason to go through all that when your children are young and staying up until two and three o'clock in the morning and doing a newsletter while they're nursing and then having to run and get the bottle. And then, you know, your spouse gets up and you got to take help, you know, help them get ready if they go to work outside the home. It, it, It really is just so unpredictable and so, I mean, at points for me, I don't know about you, it was terrorizing sometimes. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was oh, really. Absolutely. Um, so I, we can't look at that quilt so much as we can. No, we can look at the quilt. We have to visualize it when it's finished, not the way it looks today. That's right. And I, and I think there's, um, because of our wonderful, technology, um, technological advances. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm thinking back in 2012, it's not that long ago, but things were way different then in terms of how technology was a factor in starting a new business. And I feel like nowadays it's, there's so, there are so many areas someone can get distracted in those beginning stages. And those beginning stages are really precious. That's a real, sweet time of, you know, it, it is, it's kind of like having a baby when you, when you start a business, right? It's like this new, mm-hmm. new thing in the world. And it's, mm-hmm. um, takes a lot of care and nurturing and protection. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really glad I wasn't on Instagram or social media that much when I started my business. Well, now, why do you say that? That's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting comment. Let's unpack that, Marissa. Yeah, that is kind of an unpackable statement there. <laughs> um, well, I find that social media, of course, it's, you know, the classic double-edged sword. There are so many wonderful things we can do with it. But then on the creative side, it can be very um, intrusive and it can sort of interrupt that natural intuitive development of an artistic endeavor. And, and I see like entrepreneurship and artistic expression. I, I really kind of see them as two sides of the same coin. If someone has an artistic creative idea and they want to bring it into the marketplace, 
to me, that's like, okay, there it is, artist and entrepreneur, mm-hmm. two sides of that same beautiful coin. And for me, I can get distracted easily. That's just my personality. I can, you know, chase down a million ideas and go down a million different rabbit holes and it's it's great fun, but it's just not really helpful if you're trying to stay focused in and really zeroed mm-hmm. in onto an idea. Yeah. Yeah. You, you really have to, well, you have to, it sounds like you're, well, it looks like I should say, cause I'm on your Instagram right now um, at precious skin elixirs. It looks like you have figured out how to navigate that though. I mean, you are also seven years into your business or so, so that makes a difference. But speaking of that technology, like how, what do you find is the most uh, effective way for you to share your brand message and your products with the world? Is it through Instagram? Actually, yes, it has been through Instagram, which um, I've definitely, it's been a huge learning curve and I certainly would never say I'm, I'm ever over that curve, but um, Instagram has been a great platform to market and just get the word out and connect with people. I've made so many amazing friends over the years through Instagram and for me, like that's that's what it comes down to for me is the relationship aspect of doing business. That's mm-hmm. my favorite part of doing business is forming relationships, getting to know people, um, making, if I can't help somebody with my product or with what I do, then helping them find the person that can um, and just just sort of being in that space of connectivity. Instagram has has been the thing that's done that for me. And so what are your favorite ways to use Instagram? I know when Instagram started, you know, it was just a photo feed. And of course, that was nice enough. But the, there's so many bells and whistles associated with it. Now, what are, what are your favorite ways to use it? And what are some of the apps that you like to integrate with it? That's a good question. I really, I like the old fashioned feed, to tell you the truth. Um, I have been dabbling in Instagram lives, which I also really like. but. Um, I do feel a degree of overwhelm with keeping up with stories and trying to utilize IGTV. Um, And I just, I don't know, I've I've just kind of like, I've had to definitely take a break at times where it just seems like that's um, because it's changing so rapidly and evolving. And of course the algorithm is always changing and a lot of people don't necessarily see what I publish. So um, I've had to just become really disciplined with my use of the platform and social media in general. Mm-hmm. And really do, you, kind of, do you, when you say discipline, do you mean like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you try to do this and Tuesday, you try to do that. You take Saturday off. Is that what you mean? Or is it more just like when your energy, cause I know for me, I'll confess, like I do love Instagram, but I feel similarly to you when I look mm-hmm. at my Instagram feed. Um, at Donna Maria CEO right now. I haven't posted in the feed. Um, I'm going to go actually get the date. It seems like forever. <laughs> it was it was November the 9th. And we're mm-hmm. recording this interview 10 days after that. Like no feed posts, but I've been using stories and my follower mm-hmm. count has gone up. Interesting. I mean, you know, I, I don't pay attention to algorithms, but when that started happening, I was like, yay, I don't have to post in the feed anymore because... For me, the feed is harder because it has yes. to be all dolled up and it's supposed to be pretty. And, 
you know, I just like to live my life and I have like a million stories. It's like, here's what I'm right. doing now. So excited. So well, like it kind of ebbs and flows though. Is that kind of what happens with you? Yeah. And, and I actually, I think stories are super underutilized. I actually feel like mm. that's probably the best use of Instagram right now is I love doing stories. anything in stories. Yeah. Cause, the, cause mm-hmm. you're right. The feed itself can tend to feel like this curated sort of visual space and you want to mm-hmm. post something that's going to really flow with the next set of pictures and make sense and be on brand and um, offer something almost like a mini, like a micro blog post in a so sense. It's a magazine. It is a magazine. A magazine, yeah. right? And stories. It can be more casual, and I, and yeah. I feel like, in a way, it's just more authentic because it's like yeah. you know, depending upon how someone approaches their stories. Um, but yeah, I, I do find that um, I just have to make sure that I don't like spend one day and do like a million stories and then mm-hmm. go a week without <laughs> posting anything. <laughs> that sounds like me. 10 days, no posts and a couple of stories. But you said IGTV too. So uh, IGTV is more like stories than the feed. True. True. And you get a whole 10 minutes on IGTV if you're... <laughs> yeah. And you well, know, there's a way to make it longer now. I'm not sure what that is, but there are ways because oh. I've seen some things on IGTV that are longer. I don't, there must be some certain way. Maybe you have to have a certified account or something. I don't know. But because um, I, I don't, I don't want to go longer than 10 minutes, but... I, right. Um, I know. So what do you use any apps? Like, do you integrate any scheduling apps or anything with Instagram? Or is it just you and your phone and the, and the Instagram? It's just me, my phone and Instagram. Okay. So no complications, just simple, just simple, simple, simple. And, um, I was in a nice rhythm last year with having like time in the morning, like in certain, you know, for 45 minutes would, would be my Instagram time. Um, and of course it, it talks to Facebook. So it was sort of like a two for one. I could spend my time doing Instagram stuff and it would also publish on Facebook. Um, but then I found once I posted something, I'd want to check for comments and interact and answer questions. And so I haven't really figured out <laughs> my Instagram plan, but it's just sort of like, I just give myself little 15 minutes. I set my phone timer and I'll give myself like 15 minutes block, 15 minute blocks throughout the day just to kind of like check in, but be aware of the time. So I don't end up spending two hours. On the that is so rolling. funny because it ain't <laughs> over till it's over. Right. It's like you post and then you want to go back and check. And then, so I find myself having to just post and like go and say, I'm not looking. I am not looking. I can always look later. Because I do want to, I do want to respond quickly, but you just, you know, we just can't do that. So Marissa, how do you sell your products? Like it's at wholesale, retail shows. What, how do you, like, how does your business model actually run? Well, I sell wholesale and retail. Um, I, you know, back in the jewelry days, I was pretty much exclusively a wholesaler and I really loved that way of doing business. It was just, it was great fun working with buyers and establishing um, long-term accounts with somebody and getting to know their business needs and, and also their customer through them. So um, I do that now with Precious Skin Elixirs. And um, what is kind of new is doing more retail. And that's been great fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, Has that mainly come through Instagram? Well, 
Um, Instagram, but it all ends up through my website. So I believe people are coming sometimes just through organic search, Mm -hmm. um, my newsletter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and then there's like this like little word of mouth, like through just friends and local people that I know in town. Um, you know, it's always nice to get that kind of referral too. And so wholesale retail online, uh, what is it like a split? Like is it 50, 50 or what is, what is kind of the basic percentage there? Is it mostly online? Um, you know, I don't know. I think I actually do more. Well, I don't know. It could be 50, 50, like, okay. As in terms of like, you know, the wholesale side and the retail mm-hmm. side, it sort of, it fluctuates throughout the year. You know, of course this time of year, it's a lot more retail. Um, and interestingly enough, in February and March, when I always imagine that's like such a slow time for retail, but um, that's when I do notice a spike in retail activity, which is kind of fun. Oh, okay. All that dry skin out there. So it must be all that dry skin. <laughs> <laughs> year it's like we're done with all the dry skin. It's February. We have to do something about this. So when is, what is your favorite? Like, do you have a favorite wholesale retail? Do you, do you prefer one over the other in terms of, what's required to, you know, run the train? Well, I've, I do love retail because I get to pack the boxes and write little fun notes and put in little treasures, little samples, and um, just kind of like put that final touch on the experience for somebody so that, you know, I imagine, I, I hope it arrives in the same condition <laughs> that I've sent it in, but um, that's a real joy to me to be able to just present something beautifully and, and take the extra time and the energy to, to make it special for somebody. And and that seems to actually come through when I watch some of your Instagram TV shows, I see a lot of your personality kind of comes through there and you seem to really enjoy the audience engagement as you're talking about, like I saw one recently where you were, and, and this is a good question too, because so often as artisans and indies, we're, we're um, you know, a little camera shy, like we don't want to do it. And oh, it's all about the products, but we know it's really not. Um, and, and when people want to buy things from people, they feel like they can know. That's why stories are so great, because people see you. They don't just see the, the curated fancy feed. But when you do your, your TV shows, I'm like, wow, like she's so personable and really into like, she's rubbing this stuff all over her face and telling it how, telling us how it feels. And I remember at one point <laughs> you, you were doing the little thing and you said, okay, so you have to put a warm cloth over your face after you do this. <laughs> so you put this towel over your face and you kept talking. Like, and so we were looking at you with this towel over your face. Like all we could see was like a mask and you were just <laughs> going on about how great it feels like she is really into this so so when when you talk to people in that way like what are your best tips to offer others who think that you know relating to people on video might be something I want to do in my business but I just don't feel like I can I can do it I'm I can wing it will people care will they just go oh my gosh I'm unfollowing it's so boring I mean how did you get past all of those that, that self-talk that would have prevented you from doing it? Mm, good question. Great question. Um, ultimately, I just had to do it, which sounds so like 
cliche, right? Like everyone says, just do it. You just have to break through, just go ahead and do it. And honestly, I, um, (laughs) well, it all started about a year ago because I wanted a new phone. I wanted a new iPhone and the, the iPhone X had just come out and I thought, oh, okay, that has a great camera. That would be really useful for Instagram posts to take pictures. I want that phone. That's what I want. But of course it was $1,200 and I thought, all right, I should probably save that or invest that money into a laptop or something that's going to be a lot more, you know, maybe go a lot farther (laughs) in my business. But I just wanted that darn phone. So I made a promise to myself (laughs) that the week I got the phone, I would do an Instagram live. And this was October of 2018 and Instagram, I think had like kind of just rolled out their live function. Mm-hmm. So I remember getting the phone and I was all excited, you know, shiny new toy, right? And, but also remembering no the promise. Don't touch right? my phone. Right. <laughs> <Brand> <laughs> exactly. <new>. <laughs> and I just, I propped it up on my bathroom. Like, I don't know, I probably piled mm-hmm. like five tissue boxes up right. to like get the phone high enough. <laughs> and I hit the Instagram thing and I hit the live button and I didn't realize I was live for like the first 10 (laughs) seconds or something. So there I was like, you know, like sniffling and like looking around and tying my hair back. And then I saw somebody pop on and I realized, (laughs) there's people here. (laughs) Oh, there's people watching me. (laughs) And so I... I was well now you know, I'm I, realized, now. I can't go anywhere now. Exactly. That was that was the key. You're in it and you kind of have to go with it and you kind of just have to rise to the occasion. Um I remember I had my nightgown on, not thinking like, hello, you're gonna be people are gonna see you. And my it was a little low cut and I was just Oh like, my goodness. And you know, it's like funny a because mess. you're like, okay, I'm gonna buy this thousand dollar phone. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, and I would have been like, and you know what? I'm going to sell a thousand dollars worth of products today. So I can pay for this phone. So (laughs) like when you do, when you do your, your lives, um, how do you, how do you do them in a way that's engaging that also, because I know you sell, you actually sell on your live videos. So Mm -hmm. like when you go live, you're not just going live. Of course you do want to, you know, talk to people and be engaging and, share the information that you know about skincare and so forth, but you're also selling at the same time. So how does that work for you? Well, it's a fun way. It's sort of, it just feels really natural to me to be using the product. Um, And it kind of, it sort of is a way of like showing it without being super, um, you know, literal about like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you can buy this or you can, Mm -hmm. you know, go to my website. Um, I just, I just like talking about it. And I find that when I'm using it, I naturally start to explore how it works and what it smells like, what it feels like, how it performs. And, you know, my own stories about how maybe it got its name or um, who could really benefit from this particular product that I'm using. And um, so that to me, the lives just feel really natural as if I'm like talking to a girlfriend and we're hanging out and we're just like, you know, drinking tea and mm-hmm. putting on face masks. Um, mm-hmm. Like it a just, slumber party on Instagram. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, so do you find that when people come, they, they will ask questions and then go to your website and buy what you're using? Yes. Which, I love um, it. yeah, that has been wonderful because then I feel like somebody's like really interested, genuinely interested. Um, and then oftentimes I'll get some direct messages after a live from people saying, Hey, I'm on your site. Was this the thing that you were using? Like, do you think this would be good for my skin? And sometimes I'll just have like, you know, back and forth several times with somebody to help somebody figure out what's going to work for them. And, um, it's just a really fun way to guide people through the process. So what is, Marissa, the hardest, most challenging part about maintaining and leading your business? And how do you overcome whatever that challenge is? Hmm. Well, for me, the hardest part is staying on task. The hardest part for me is staying focused and disciplined in the you know execution aspect of things. Um, you know, as a, as a one woman show there, you know, as you know, we wear so many hats, right. And I'm definitely we wear all the hats, all, all the hats. Absolutely. <laughs> and then hats we don't even know exist yet. We right, end up wearing right. Ooh, right? a new hat. I got to put a that new one hat. on. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, so that's, that's probably my challenge. You know, I, I work from home and my work studio, I call it the apothecary. That's also a private studio within my home. And so, you know, there's, there's sort of the kind of like that energetic switch has to happen between here I am, I'm working and then, okay, now I'm home. It's sort of like, you know, that's been a challenge to really, you know, say, okay, it's not time to work. It's time to be home or, Hey, it's time to work. It's not time to be home. (laughs) Well, how do you, how do you juggle that? Like this, this is a huge challenge. It's like, um, like, how do you juggle that? Like, do you have a schedule? Like, do you have, I remember one, one conversation I had with a woman who I was so impressed with. She had four children. She was homeschooling them. She had a business that was built completely on wholesale and all she sold was lotion bars in different molds. She would put them in different molds. So she had like a collection. And I asked her once, like, how do you do this? Like she did trade shows and she had a, she had a really, really good business. And she Mm. said, well, I only clean my house on Tuesdays. I was like, oh, (laughs) like I only do laundry on Thursdays. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's the secret. The secret is time blocking. Right. That was, and of course I tried it and I wasn't as good as her, but how do you, what is your method of approaching that? Like as a mom and an entrepreneur and a wife and like a woman with, you know, you have a personal life yourself. How do you, how do you integrate all of those aspects together? And what, how do you, how would you encourage others to do the same? Well, I think I, I think in terms of, of batching what needs to happen, and um, I guess that could be similar to time blocking, but in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, like cleaning the house, yeah, I only do laundry on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Like, <laughs> I will not touch that machine during the week because I just, I can't. It's It'll become a never-ending thing. And um, my girls, I've kind of gotten them into their routine 
helping with with that task. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's kind of, I mean, goodness knows what their childhood memories are going to be like of <laughs> their their weekends were filled with laundry. And, <laughs> um, but there There's is worse there, things that can happen. There are worse things, them. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there really, it is a challenge to sort of, I think as women, we don't naturally compartmentalize our lives. You know, I think just from a an energy perspective of of that you know the more female approach to life it's it can be more holistic and it can be more um integrated rather than like um being really separated and compartmentalized i know anytime yeah. i've really tried to hold myself to time blocking and, and a strict schedule it's just it's never worked out well it, I, I work better when I allow myself the freedom and the flexibility to sort of flow with what's happening because some weeks mm-hmm. maybe I don't have a lot of orders. Maybe I don't mm-hmm. have to batch, you know, maybe, maybe I'm only making one batch of product mm-hmm. in a week. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I have more time to tend to other things. And oh, that's um, really interesting. So you, you can, you can stay productive and make it work. Yeah. So far it's, it, you know, I, I have to be careful not to get down on myself for not following a more conventional way of working. And sometimes I really get hard on myself and think like, oh, I'm so undisciplined. I'm so, you know, scatterbrained or something. But then I kind of look back at my quarter or, or month and I think, oh, you know, I actually got a lot done and, you know, somehow managed to keep everybody in clean clothes and, you know, lunches and, and food and (laughs) birthday party gifts. And, you know, um, it's just, it's really kind of finding the joy in the unknown and the, and the, the chaos. And I use that word chaos lovingly. Well, I know one of the things we have to do is figure out what works for us, you know, and I remember when I was a brand new entrepreneur, I got out into the world, out of my office, and I was wondering why there were so many people around that weren't in an office. I was like, don't these people work? (laughs) Like when I quit my job, I literally was like, "But, but then here's what I did. I thought that all of life was freedom and flexibility now, and I could just do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. And for certain personality types, that is not good. And I discovered that I'm one of them. Like I literally will just hang out all day if if I don't have a schedule. But it sounds like, it sounds like you, you know, we're, we're different, but, um, and like, again, we all have to kind of figure out what works for us. So I'm happy to know that you found your, um, your flexibility there. That's great. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are definitely times where I do need to be more scheduled and I do need to make sure that I've got, you know, blocks of time to meet a certain deadline with an order or um, make sure materials, you know, my, whether it's my glass or raw materials or things, you know, have to stay on a, on kind of a regular schedule because sometimes, especially working with natural materials, if, if you're not really, ahead of like the growing season, for example, um, you can miss out on the oil that you need. Like if a, if a farm, you know, you know, a particular farm, I I work with a particular farm for one of my um, raw materials and 
I know they only produce so much. And we're also talking mother nature, you know, who knows in terms of weather and different environmental circumstances, how a crop can be affected. So that's, um, that's always hovering around in, in the background is making sure that that's always tended to and that that's kind of a regular thing. Marissa, what is your best selling product? Hmm. Well, um, I think in the last year, the Sterling Honey Polish has really, um, has really just skyrocketed as, as a shining star. And that is, um, it's, a, it's sort of a, a two-in-one product. It's a cleanser, but it's also a face mask. And um, I think it's become more of a, like a hero product as a face mask because it's something that um, can kind of stay on for as long as you want. I've left Sterling Honey Polish on my skin for like hours and it's, it only improves <laughs> your skin in terms of, you know, the longer you leave it on. Um, but it's just such silver. like a sensory I'm looking treat. at the um, ingredients. It's got honey and silver and jasmine essential oil. Oh my goodness. It it's is, fun. it's like, it's precious. Like it goes with like jasmine oil is very, like you get like a minuscule half of a billionth of a drop out of every <laughs> petal. Um, and it smells so good. I bet that smells so delicious. So your products are actually interesting because they're categorized into um, like lines based on uh, natural elements. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, do you mean like the different um, rituals? Yeah, like you have air, earth, mm-hmm. uh, okay. water, and what's the other one? I can't remember. Fire. Fire. Yeah. 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 It, makes, it always makes me want to sing when I hear earth. Wind I know. Fire, but I digress. <laughs> um, so these are like different, different sorts of, of lines or different collections, right? For different mm-hmm. personality types, sort of. Well, I see skincare as sort of this um, kind of this intuitive process that will shift and flow through someone's needs that could be through um, seasonal shifts or emotional shifts or just all the different fluctuations that happen in life internally and externally. And so I really see skincare, the approach to skincare as a rhythm. So I call these four different things, um, skin rhythm rituals. So for example, the air ritual is something that really can kind of um, breathe new life into skin that might need kind of like that, that lift, that uplifting sort of feeling. When you think of the element of air, what would air bring? It would bring like expansiveness and space and um, lightness. So I, I really, um, I really enjoy working with the elements in that regard because they're just so, they're so powerful. They're the it's elements so creative. Like it's so creative that you put these elements together. Like you have the element of the natural environment um, in terms of like air, water, like a physical element. Mm -hmm. Then you also have the physical element of the ingredients that come from the earth environment, like the herbs and and things. And then you have the, um, the natural oils that come Mm -hmm. from, you know, the earth. And then you put that together with this kind of uh, rhythmic approach to skincare that's more than skincare. Like it serves a woman, not just from her skincare needs, but also from 
emotional needs as you just described it. I don't know if I've ever really seen that before. That's an interesting combination. Well, it's all connected. And, you know, like the, the plants I use are, they're possible because of the elements, because of air, the earth, the water, and the, the fire, you know, the, the sun and the sky is our, is our big fire presence. Um, and so and you make everything yourself. I do. Yeah. And that's a real important aspect is that it Why? is, it's artisan. It's, um, well, I just, um, I just feel such a connection to the process and I think early on, I had these visions of, of growing a business really quickly and hitting mainstream and, you know, being like, you know, at a, at a particular level of volume and all of that stuff. And um, I'm actually really glad it didn't go that way. <laughs> um, I was speaking with two major luxury retailers kind of early on. And, um, you know, I, I had worked with big luxury retailers from my jewelry days. So I kind of had a sense of how those relationships work and how to navigate those relationships. So I wasn't really like nervous in terms of working with them, but um, in terms of what that would have meant for the integrity of the brand, I'm just really glad it didn't work out. I, I'm very content staying small and that may Mm -hmm. sound really counterintuitive for an entrepreneur to say, but you know, from the way I see things, it's like, it's that artist entrepreneur, right? The two sides of the same coin. And for me, both energies, both like archetypes, I guess, if you want to think of them as archetypes, um, both archetypes within me have to feel right about what I'm doing. And um, again, that's kind of unconventional in terms of the business world, but um yeah, well, actually, so, so I think can... it's becoming more and more conventional, actually. True. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, it sounds like you have chosen um, to uh, really, really pay attention to what you want from a lifestyle perspective and not just from a business perspective where the finances are concerned. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I, I really feel this is a heart work, what I'm doing. It's a heart and soul thing. And, um, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's way more gratifying to know and to see people who are benefiting from what I'm doing than to just kind of, you know, see a bunch of money piling up in my bank account. That's important too, because, you know, that's, that's a resource, you know, I, money is energy, right? So <laughs> yes, you need that need to, energy. We to do keep need living a certain and amount <laughs> of it to pile up, please. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. But I know what you mean, though. It's just like there's so much. I think, you know, 20 years ago, well, I started my business 20 years ago, so maybe I'll say 30 years ago, you, you, you couldn't really assess your lifestyle in this way because the internet has opened up opportunities that give us more ways to assess our lifestyles. Like, oh, we yes. couldn't do it back then. And even 20 years ago when I started, I mean, you talked about the technology having advanced since five years. Like when I started, there was no social media at all, not a single piece of social. And there was MySpace, which to me was no social media because I really didn't use it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there were a lot fewer distractions, which was actually a good thing. But I, I, 
I, I know what you mean by like, as time has gone by and the economy has done what it's done and there's more people, you know, freelancing for lack of a better word, that you can really build a life around your lifestyle, build an income uh, program, so to speak, around your desired lifestyle, as opposed to the other way around, which is kind of the way it used to be. Like you used to have to find a job and then set up your life around it. Right. Right. And I well, love that we don't have to do that. Yeah. And like the gatekeepers are kind of not, you know, guarding the access that creatives and entrepreneurs and artists that, you know, that, that sort of, um, idea where there are very few people who are Mm -hmm. able to kind of grant you access to um, being in the marketplace or Mm -hmm. having a voice where people are going to see you and and Mm -hmm. know the work that you're doing. That has really, that's really changed with social media and that's exciting. It is exciting. Oh my gosh, it is exciting. So as we talk about the way things were and the way things are, Let's talk a little bit, Marissa, as we close out about the way things are going to be. What are your plans for Precious Skin Elixir over the next five or so years? Well, I really, um, I really feel like, interestingly enough, I, I, I think I've been so focused on like my long-term vision of bringing, you know, um, creating a company that's, that's going to have this big humanitarian piece. That's going to really do um, hopefully some nonprofit work in the future. And um, also really, really focus on niche needs of communities, whether that's my physical local community or other communities that um, just have unique needs. I think um, these broader sweeping, Mm-hmm. charities and organizations are amazing and they're mm-hmm. wonderful, but there's also, you know, a real need for some real kind of dialed in um, tending to our communities and whatever that looks like, who knows? There are so many, there's a myriad of ways that um, communities need um, things that can help them thrive. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I feel it like it doesn't always the, have to be a big, huge machine that makes that work, that that delivers that kind of benefit to a community. Right, right. It could be it could be something as simple as you know having um, a local meditation group, or um, you know fundraising for a very specific need that maybe a particular community has, and not a lot of other communities in the area have that same need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know in the five year term, who knows how long that will take to sort of reach that, that level of being able to affect um, communities, but in the short term, which, which to me, short term is kind of like five years, which. (laughs) Well, it kind of is. Yeah. Right. It doesn't always appeal to my Aries nature. I, you know, I want it, I want five (laughs) years to like, you know, happen yesterday. Right. Um, right. But I think that's, that's also the entrepreneurial part of you too. It's like, right you know, we have these visions. It's like, can't this happen now? Like, can it happen right now? Right. No, let's not, let's not put the cart before the horse. But it sounds like you have, um, you know, created a vehicle that's actually like laying a platform for some of the things that you want to do in the future. And while your children are young, you can generate income doing something that you love 
while you also have or continue to have the flexibility to be with them, you know, because, you know, they're, they're young. So that's important too. Yes. And um, I believe now it's, it's really learning how to drive this vehicle Mm -hmm. and navigate it. Um, And, you know, one thing I've, I've learned from you and all the work that you do is to appreciate that and to really tend Mm -hmm. to that and um, really value those daily, the, the daily vision and what needs to happen mm-hmm. to maintain the health of that vehicle, because that is, um, you know, talk about precious. I mean, mm-hmm. having yeah. an opportunity to, to do something and to put it out there and to, you know, um, kind of be the change yeah. idea, right? Yeah. That's, oh, um, God, that is so, that is like, it just made my skin crawl because ah. just, just <laughs> because every business, yours and mine and everyone listening we all are doing that. Like mm-hmm. we are doing that. And I think we don't stop and pause and really just meditate on that enough to know that, you know, we're you know not, you know, a massive, huge company, but we are affecting individual lives in ways that is making a huge collective difference in our world. And no one can do that like an entrepreneur who is running a business from their heart. It's just not possible. That's so, and now now I just got the chills too. That's so, it is. I'm so happy that we live in a world now that that can be appreciated because for a long time it wasn't. I mean, even still now, you know, magazines that talk about entrepreneurship are all about how this person got to a million dollars in sales in 10 months or how this person is running a five, you know, $5 million business with, 500 employees and offices around the world. It's like, that's really, really great. But Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that because those businesses are the exception. They are not the rule. But the ones that are smaller than that are not all failing just because they're not, you know, these on the cover of a magazine. And that is just something I think that we lose in the larger picture. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I love to talk with people like you and where I have this podcast to to showcase the people that are doing this sort of thing and not just not just making money which is great but they're also living these awesome lives that make them happy yes and like what else is better than that oh that's that's it right there and i mean i i you know i've i've heard many many stories of entrepreneurs who go into business and they're they're happy and they love it and it's exciting and then something shifts and maybe, you know, who knows, many things can, can, you know, lead to this, but ultimately then all of a sudden they're not happy and they're disconnected from that initial vision and what got them so excited in the first place. And, and oh my um, goodness, there's enough. I've actually, around. yeah. And I, I've actually, look at, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no, I, and I've, I've seen some entrepreneurs um, scale back from sort of that mainstream. Yeah you know, trajectory where they're like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to backslide down into that long tail. When you think of a, of a bell curve, right? Like let's backslide, let's go back down into that long tail and live there where typically there is enough revenue being generated and it's maybe a balancing point. Everyone's different of course, but um, I think the most important thing is that like you said earlier, if, if an entrepreneur, if someone is happy, if someone is feeling like their business is also working for them, then that's really the key. 
That is, that is such the key. And of course, like you talked about, some people are sliding back into the long tail. You look at some of these really large companies today, the, the people who founded them are being forced to slide back because, um, you know, they've taken on so much, maybe so much debt, maybe they've, you know, had a lot of investments, and they haven't handled them well. And they've just, you know, I mean, we can look at some companies where the CEOs have just completely lost sight of life. I'm I'm not going to say any names or wait till the podcast is over. But, um, you know, they've, they've just taken, taken their businesses and turned them into those little toys that that make their lives happy, but don't serve any other people. And um, at, at least not consistently and, and not well, because they're in the news for all these awful things that they've allowed to happen inside their companies. And um, the scale that we're talking about is a different kind of scale. And I talk yes. about, you know, scale, I define scale differently from the way a lot of other people do. And it sounds like you do as well. Like I have scaled but mm-hmm. I, I have not scaled the way the world thinks of scale. And I don't want to scale like that. So, <laughs> um, you know, and I'm, I'm they're so joyful about that and so free about that because it's, you never want your business to become the handcuffs on your wrists, you know? Mm. Well, and, and I think it's important to really connect the, the personal vision, you know, mm-hmm. of, of what, what an individual wants to do. What, what do they want? you know, to put out there into the world. It, it's important to connect that vision to the big vision, you know, like the collective dream. Um, you know, it's, I think it's important to check in to see if it's a vision, a personal vision born out of ego, or if it's a personal vision born out of like that, that soul level, mm-hmm. you know, like, why did, why did I come here to earth? Like, what is, yeah, what is my soul yeah. here to, to do? Yes. What song does my soul yearn to sing? Yes. And how is my business reflecting that? Oh, yes. this is just like, this is so rich. This is what, to me, this is what entrepreneurship and life, the integration of the two is all about what we're talking about now. And I know for so many of our listeners, it's the same thing. So Marissa, thank you so much for letting us dive a little bit into your background and also your, your, um, your approach to how you're living your life and how you're integrating your business into your life to create this whole that just seems very fulfilling to you. Tell us where do we go to buy your products and you know, where do we go to follow you? Sure. Well, you can um, find all my products on my website, which is preciousskinelixirs.com. And um, you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm at Precious Skin Elixirs. And um, oh, matching. So nice when you can get them matching. Right? Try to say Not everybody can get matching these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm also, you know, I, I don't know if email is, is kind of becoming old fashioned like the phone, but <laughs> email is also a great way um, to connect. If, if you know, I, I love getting personal messages and I love, um, I love interacting. So, um, you know, I always like to put that out there. Sometimes I just put my email address right in an IG post, like, Hey, contact me. I'd love to talk. Let me know what your questions are. I'm a human. I'm here. I want to like, I want to get to know people. Stay tuned. You can email her preciousskinelixirs.com. And by the way, you can take a quiz there and find out what your 
skin rhythm is, the air, the water, the earth, and the fire. You can find out what yours is, and then uh, she has the products you know, displayed there so you can kind of see what, what ones that she makes specifically for your rhythm, and that is a whole lot of fun to do. So PreciousSkinElixirs.com. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Donna Maria. And thank you for all of the beauty and inspiration you create in the world. Thank you. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Have a good day. Well, I hope this episode of the Indie Business Podcast left you inspired, motivated, and excited about the future of your small business. Let's quickly review three of the most significant insights Marissa and I discussed today. Number one, making the patchwork quilt. Marissa talked about how as a mom with a business, she has to piece things together and that there really is no other choice than but to do that. This is a great encouragement for other mom business owners out there, maybe even you, who are thinking that the lack of neatness of it all is somehow not normal. It is normal, especially when you have children. And Marissa reminds us that that is okay. Number two, using Instagram video to connect with buyers. I love how Marissa said she just jumped into Instagram TV because it was a good way to connect with people who were interested in her approach to skincare. She generates sales simply by being herself in her bathroom on a video showing people how to use her products. And they go to her website and make their purchases based on her recommendations. It's such a good example of integrating high tech with high touch to produce results. And number three, go small. Marissa pointed out that not every business has to be big and that she prefers to stay small. I love how her approach is a super reminder that you can grow as an entrepreneur and your business can grow too, but you don't have to build out this mammoth empire to be both personally fulfilled and financially rewarded, rewarded as an entrepreneur. This is so, so close to my heart. And if it appeals to you, you might like to read my blog post, Six Keys to Going Big in Business Without Growing Big in Business. To get the link, just go to IndieBusinessNetwork.com and search Going Big in the search bar and it will come right up. If this conversation resonates with you, I think you'll really like that post. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone you know and help spread the word. This podcast is all about the indie business revolution, where people are breaking the mold of traditional entrepreneurship and creating success on their own terms. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, won't you do me the honor of rating this podcast? It helps me so much to know that you appreciate the amazing people and stories featured here on the Indie Business Podcast. You can also share episodes from my blog, at IndieBusinessNetwork.com to your favorite social media outlets. I'll see you on the next episode of Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.